0: Good morning, Sleepy Town. I'm Beau Bartlett, and you're listening to The Art House. Art House Radio, coming to you from WCUG in beautiful downtown Columbus, Georgia. From across the tracks at 9th and Broadway, from the Carpenters Building, Columbus State University. It can also be heard on OM Radio 96.3 in Charleston, South Carolina. Thanks for joining us this morning on the radio. Show Irokawa and I have a beautiful show for you this morning. We have an interview with our friend Andrew Zone, classical guitarist Andrew Zone. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. How you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. It's a beautiful morning, a beautiful morning in Georgia. We're going to have a little conversation with Andrew, and then we're going to hear some music. He's brought some music selections, his and others. So we're going to have a nice show, a nice, beautiful show this morning. The purpose of art is to wake us up. And the purpose of Art House Radio is to wake us up gently. So wake up, y'all. We have a word of the day today. The word of the day today is aptitude. A natural ability to do something. Aptitude. We also have a quote of the day the quote of the day comes from amy polar i believe great people do things before they are ready i believe great people do things before they are ready amy polar i guess that's debatable as a creative but it's an interesting concept about not being afraid to start something to do something andrew's going to start off he's going to be our dj this morning he's brought some music some of his own and uh we're going to hear Some music by Andrew. What what are we going to hear first, Andrew?
1: Well, this is a music that I've been really interested in in getting into lately. Jean-Philippe Rameau was a contemporary of Bach. Um, He was born in 1683. uh, He was a very, very well-known composer and music theorist uh, in Paris in the 18th century and he wrote a lot of really fantastic music for keyboard which is what I'm primarily interested in because I'm making arrangements of this music for two guitars since I played a guitar duo so I've been listening to a lot of French Baroque music uh, Francois Couperin, Rameau, Dupal, Loyet, uh, Wesley so here's a really kind of great energetic one um, they have these a lot of his keyboard pieces have these dramatic titles this is uh, l'Egyptienne, the, the Egyptian, so we'll get some kind of impression of what an Egyptian would have been like to an 18th century Parisian. Um, this is on a harpsichord. Uh, the performer is one of my favorites, Trevor Pinnock, and I really appreciate he, uh, the way that he records his harpsichord is so particular, it's very bright and steely and brassy. Um, and I think that really comes across in this particular piece. So, The Egyptian by Jean-Philippe
0: Rameau the Egyptian. You're listening to The Art House on 88.5 WCUG and ohm Radio in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm your host, Bo Bartlett, and we're here with our guest, Andrew Zone. He is the Joe and George Jeter Distinguished Chair in Guitar at Columbus State University at the Schwab School of Music. Andrew, thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you. So glad you're with us. I've enjoyed your guitar. You've got um you, you do a lot of besides just teaching at CSU and um playing classical guitar in concerts here, you you have a lot of things going on. You have the symposium, you have the guitar symposium, which brings people in from all around the world. You you play um pop songs on guitar, reinterpretations or retranscribed pieces of contemporary music on guitar, which are wonderful. We can see those or hear those on youtube i think mm. and i think uh <clears throat> you might even play for one of those for us later nope. later in the hour okay. that'd be great Hope so <laughs> so tell us um a little bit about just tell us a little bit of who you are wh- where you came from and how, how you got here
1: sure um i grew up uh in the northeast i'm, I'm from new jersey in a, in a small suburb of new york and um uh, i am the son of an artist and my mother is the uh, visual artist, um, she works, she makes pottery. And so from the first moment that I remember, arts was a really important part of our uh, education background, uh, going to museums, taking art classes, etc. cetera. Um, and then uh, when I was a young boy, I, uh, I was taking a music class and the uh, teacher, I think I was in kindergarten said, you have a very strong sense of rhythm you should get into music and that's what i did and i've kind of been doing the same thing ever since i've played drums um i've played uh, violin and keyboard piano and um, then i kind of found the guitar after my brother came home with a led zeppelin album Mm -hmm. number four i heard led Mm -hmm. zeppelin four and my brain flipped upside down and uh, been doing that ever since and then uh after a stint with jazz Um, After I kind of got out of rock and roll, I uh, then I got interested in really interested in classical guitar, and that's been solo focus since then. But because I started out with those different influences, jazz and popular music has a really important fundamental place in my musical makeup and in my soul of sorts.
0: Yeah. When when did you move from New Jersey southward?
1: I came down here to go to school. My, my first degree was at the North Carolina School of the Arts in Winston-Salem and one of the great places, the reasons about that place is that since there's a ballet school, they have a high school. and I was able to start my college education basically as a senior in high school. So like, it already got me into conservatory a year before, it was a really great advantage. Um, after North Carolina, I moved to Austin and uh, did my master's degree at University of Texas. And then I did my last degree at Florida State University, um, which is kind of how I found my way here to Columbus, Georgia.
0: When were you in? You were in Albany, weren't you, for a while?
1: Yeah, during graduate school, I was um, I was doing a lot of teaching to uh, pay my bills, and so I would go to one town and teach at a community college, uh, you know, for a day, and then I would go to another town to teach at a music school and. I had like six different jobs like that working out, and when I graduated with my finished my doctorate, my boss at Tarton College was going on a sabbatical and she asked me to fill in for her so like just out of school, I had actually like a real job which was you know almost unheard of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for for a guy like me
0: did you expect that i mean were you, is that something you were thinking about well this is what what i'm going to do is to teach? no
1: that that was an administrative job mm-hmm. um uh and that's not really my cup of tea. I really consider myself a teacher, first and foremost. Uh, I, I really like being in the studio and with students, and I think that's what I have the most to say. And, um, so that's pretty much what I do here in Columbus now, rather than uh, you know, administrative tasks.
0: We, we've had some wonderful um, concerts in my wife Betsy's studio over at Swift Mill with your students, uh, the Chinese students, I think, primarily.
1: Yeah, um, when we had a, a, the Guitar Foundation of the America Convention, which is a, a big event that happens in a different city in North America every year, we've had it here twice in Columbus. And the first time in 2006, a large contingency from the Central Conservatory in Beijing came over, and they were here for a week, and we all kind of met and, and started a relationship. And uh, so there have been times where half my studio has been Chinese. I've got actually a third of the studio is from China right now.
0: How many, how many students do you have?
1: I have 17 students, mm-hmm. and seven of them are from China.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, yeah, so we've had a really, really great working relationship with, with my colleague there in Beijing, and we've made a whole lot of other contacts. Of course, now the gentleman I play in a guitar duo with now, or Dong Li, is, is from that whole program. He came from the Central Conservatory. And then he did his master's degree with me here, and now he's a working man. Uh, I'm a working music musician up in Atlanta now. And so we play together in duo now. So we've, if not for COVID, we would be in China all the time. <laughs> so next year, hopefully. We're go so
0: back. pre-COVID, you, you traveled a lot, either a solo or duo, right? Didn't you yeah. do a lot of concerts?
1: I have, I've, uh, I, I've been really interested in, in more chamber music uh, lately rather than playing solo concerts. I really feel like... It's the best way to kind of communicate on our instrument in a small group. You get to use the instrument a little bit differently than when you're playing solo. And kind of, you were asking me about the pop tunes that I do. Uh, you know, what those are, they're a kind of a recreation where I'm trying to take an entire band and reduce it down into a guitar. So if there's a, you know, the, the vocal part I'm covering, if there's a bass line, I'm trying to cover that. If there's a guitar riff in the middle, I'm probably trying to get that. If there's a guitar solo, you know, and so I'm really trying to recreate it, and it's a lot of heavy lifting trying to get two and three voices continually moving on the guitar. But well, when you play in a duo, you're using the guitar much more as a melodic instrument. You're playing the textures a lot thinner, a lot more like say how a flutist interacts musically, where solo guitar is, you know, can be really burdensome to try to you know keep the whole the whole orchestra of the guitar moving at the same time.
0: So in those recordings, you're, you're not doing it like you're not layering tape with those different tracks. You're, you're actually playing them all No, at the same yeah.
1: Time. You're just sitting down and play them. So <laughs> the, the, uh, most of the video work that I've done is actually quite simple. Um, I have a really trusted engineer uh, from Toronto that I love working with, and he's just uh, magnificent. But we'll just go down. downhill, shoot it from four angles. I'll play the piece four times, and then put it together the best that it, that it is and then, then it's done so it's really close to being a live performance
0: so so we can find those online if, if we just what YouTube Andrew zone
1: yep that's the easiest way to okay. find mm-hmm. Andrew zone maybe guitar right
0: okay. yep great well I, I encourage our listeners to go watch Andrew let's let's hear a little piece of music okay let's sure. let's give it a break and uh, see what 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 do you have lined up for us next uh, DJ Andrew zone
1: well why don't we do something a little bit different Um I just pulled... I could have pulled, if you would have asked me to pick my 300 favorite the songs, <laughs> I it, I could have done that this morning. So this is a very random sampling. But I thought I'd have something a little bit different. This is a really fantastic live recording on the BBC of a very young Neil Young in 1970, and he's singing his song, Old Man. And, um, well, the way that he approaches the guitar, and it, you can hear this, this is just a guy you know, playing a guitar and singing over it. There's no other instrument. And so there's a lot of burden on the guitar to create a lot of sound and a lot of rhythm. And he uses this kind of what we call in banjo, claw hammer technique, which is a combination of using a pick with your thumb and forefinger and then reaching around and plucking with your other fingers, and you create this this kind of rhythmic sound. It really comes out. And the other thing about this particular track, you know, Neil Young... Is a, can be a little bit of a questionable singer at times. But here he is in his prime where his pitch is absolutely perfect and really deep and meaningful and confident. And it's just a really great, great track. The first couple seconds are him just talking about the song, but then he gets into it soon enough.
0: What year is this from?
1: This would have been like 1970. Okay. And this would, I'm guessing it's probably the old Grey Whistle Test on, on BBC. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: In, in his prime, Neil Young.
1: Yeah. This is a new song I wrote about my ranch. I
2: live on a ranch in California. And I just bought it a while ago from uh, these two lawyers. And uh, there was an old man living on it. I don't know if you have things like that here, like a uh, foreman on ranches. It's like an old caretaker he takes care of all the cows, and fences and everything so i wrote this song for him old man look at my life i My life, I'm a lot like you were Oh man, look at my life Twenty-four and there's so much more Live alone in a paradise That makes me think of two Love lost such a cost Give me things that don't get lost Like a coin that won't get tossed Rolling home to you Oh man, take a look at my life I'm alive old town doesn't mean that much to me to mean that much to you I've been first and last look at how the time goes past but I'm all alone at
0: So well, I was fifteen years old. Was that on Harvest? Was do you remember what that um, actually wound up winding? Up that on?
1: sounds Harvest sounds about right.
0: Yeah, because I had that in a little cassette tape, <laughs> and I listened to that over and over again. Yeah, and I remember you know back then I was fifteen, maybe I was only 14, 14 or fifteen, and um, I remember thinking about old man and what a what a character that was. I thought about my father and a lot. With that song, and and now I'm, all these years later, I'm I'm the old man. We're the old man, Andrew, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, we see it from the other side. Yeah, and uh, how the song has the same exact song has a different uh, resonance now, mm-hmm. uh, all these years later. Uh, what a, what a great song! You're right. What a how cl- clear and crisp his voice was then. People have a love hate relationship with, with Neil Young the, oh, the other yeah, day. but
1: my wife uh, Mine too. He he it. Drives it. <laughs> yeah, Betsy's like
0: I like scratch the <laughs> fingers on a blackboard. Yeah. But uh, no, I think that you're right. When he was young it was so crisp, and well, so clear.
1: And it, and also just, you know, the authentic. Like there's yeah. nothing artificial about what he w- who he was as a musician. Right.
0: Right. Mm. There's breath of fresh air these days for sure. Um, so what else? What else you have going on now? I know. I mean, you know, we we're 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 compadres and we're friends, and we we play tennis on Sunday mornings. What else do you have going on in your life?
1: Well, we're, I'm starting to now get back into uh, starting to perform on the guitar again, which is really um, you know after a couple of years of, of sitting around and not being on the road, uh, it's it's a really fantastic thing to able to flex that muscle again that performance muscle um and so we're starting to get out on the road after christmas we're going uh, up to the northeast into texas and i'll be going back to europe again this summer and then hopefully we're going to spend about a month in china over the summer if uh you know everything works out so i'm starting to gear up starting to really practice again yeah it's amazing yeah. if you don't have if you don't have a concert coming up it's really hard to find that that determination to really put the time in uh in terms of your own practice
0: i think it's often true with all the arts i mean i think you know as painters you know you paint all the time but you're sort of without direction if you don't have an exhibition lined up out oh, there yeah, in oh the yeah right
1: that's the yeah number one motivator is the gig
0: yeah <laughs> you've yeah. got a
1: deadline yeah yeah
0: well i remember yeah. when i was a, a boy i was as a young boy and uh, my brother um came up to me and, and he, he <laughs> i don't know why this comes to mind but it does it's it's sort of strange but uh you know i was i drew and i drew and painted and he came up to me and said, Bo, you're not a real artist. And I was like, what do you mean I'm not a real artist? Because I you know, wanted to be an artist when I grew up. He said, because you only draw when you have a show coming up, like for school, and you, you're doing it for, for like recognition. And I was like, well, no, that's, when I, that's when I have to get ready for it. And he was like, no, real artists do it all the time.
1: Wow. <laughs> I know, right? All these years, I'm asking myself, what, what is a real artist? Even to this day, it sounds like your brother had all figured out. Yeah, well, he actually,
0: you know, he, he didn't wind up doing it. So, yeah, what is a real
1: artist? Well, I, you know, I've always had this real difficulty in describing myself as an artist because, well, technically I'm a musician, you know, mm. a paint, you know, artist paint, you know, so there was all that distinction. But also it just felt like, I don't know, incredibly presumptuous. You know, to say, well, I'm, a, you know, I'm an artist, but you know, now that I think about it, uh, and really have gotten to know myself as a person, there's nothing else in this world that I really am. I'm an artist, kind of yeah. first and last. I approach every bit of my work in living day within the lens of of an artistic person, and it, so it's something I finally. Had the confidence decades later of actually saying, "Oh yeah, I guess I am an artist."
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, to go back to the word of the day. I mean, a- aptitude. You know, we have certain skills uh, naturally or acquired over time, and, and abilities—natural abilities—that we either hone and develop through practice, um, or we don't. We let them. We let them fade out. And so, I, I think it's important to for the you know the young aspiring artists or the students to hear that. You know, it's it's the day to day practice. It really comes down to the day to day practice, and a kind of uh, perseverance mm-hmm. uh, to stay with things um, and stay with it. And uh, it's the, the you forsake the gift, if you don't work hard and develop it, develop it.
1: Well, it's 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 a little bit of a misnomer in in my case. Of you know, we play quote unquote musical instruments. Where <laughs> right. right, right, right. It's, it's a lot of work, it's not much play at all. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If you just spent the time on your instrument that was the pure joy of it, you would never get good enough to, to be a professional musician. Like, there is, there is that Rubicon you have to cross where it is work, but you understand its necessity and its quality, mm-hmm. and you're seeing yourself at the end of your artistic experience and understanding that's the necessary part of the, of the journey. And, uh, you know, that's a lot to ask of, of yourself because, you know, like I say to my students all the time, I'm not gonna come to your practice room at 11 o'clock at night and stand over you to make sure that you practice. If you're not, mm-hmm. you're your, your own motivator, you know, then it's not gonna happen because there's, you know, so you've gotta have a lot of internal fortitude, as you say.
0: What, what is it that does that? What is it that drive? what is it that, that, that I mean, we have the inkling and the little spark first off, but what is it that propels us forward and makes us work at something, do you well, think?
1: Hey, Well, I mean, uh, most practically, it's fear of failure mm. <laughs> on my part, mm-hmm. you know,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, and it's a little bit different, you know, if you paint you know, uh, your masterpiece and you can show it in, in any museum or any gallery, that same thing where I have to repaint that same masterpiece every time I get up in a public forum. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just because you can do something on Monday with your instrument doesn't mean it's automatically going to happen on Tuesday. So there's that physical maintenance, mm-hmm. you know, that, that has to be has to be there every day. Um, so, like, it just it keeps you on your toes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, for a painter, a painter has to... I mean, if you're a representational painter, such as myself, you have to you know, keep drawing. You can't just like, you do know how to ride a bike, you learn to ride a bike and then you ride it. You get your artistic license and then you drive with it, you know, wherever. <laughs> but um, you also have to, it's like doing finger exercises. You have to practice drawing all the time so that when it comes time to do the painting, um, you know, you're um, you're warmed up and you're in shape and you're, right. you know, it's like running a marathon. You yeah, have to your, stay in your shape.
1: Tool, your tools are sharp is what I would, yeah, yeah. What I would say. yeah. Um, you know, a big part of, of you know being a teacher, and I'm really lucky to have very high-level students, which means that I can't just show up. You know, if if, if I was only counting quarter notes with students, you know, and, and doing basic you know stuff, my job would be kind of easy. But when I have students who come in, they're most of them are better than me already, wow. and so. I still think I have something to offer them, but mm-hmm. but you got to stay up on your toes. I have to have my my chops have to be there. I've you know my all my other kind of skills, and it, it it requires you know actually practicing the art rather than just well. I did it a long time ago, and I know how it is now. And I'll just get on that bicycle and ride it again. Is,
0: is, there, is there pressure in that regard? Like when a new new bunch of students come in that are really talented? I mean, do, do you do you? Uh, is there competition? Can I even ask that? Your well, students might be listening
1: um <laughs> i i you know i i've I've been thinking really deeply about um what kind of student I want in my studio, and you know because the guitar department is just a little bit more isolated um uh, than you know uh, brass who all have to play together in different ways that the guitar studio really can reflect like wh- what, I, what I need and what I would want in my studio. And so I, th- I think uh, very seriously when I audition students here, I'm not particularly interested in just raw talent because I've had enough of that raw talent that haven't really been motivated to be good students hmm. and want to be here
3: mm-hmm.
1: and caused all sorts of conflict with younger kids who... Hey, this super talented kid isn't, says he doesn't practice, then why should I have to practice? Mm-hmm. you know and like mm-hmm. so nowadays uh, uh, when I audition a student, we have a lesson after the audition, and then we go have lunch, and the lunch is kind of the audition, really, because I want to get people here who really want to be part of something who are supportive of each other, you know, and that's the kind of student that I'm looking for so. There is competition because there there's a lot of drive, but none of it is that kind of toxic negativity undermining that you hear about you know, at some other bigger schools in mm-hmm. you know, other mm-hmm. places, particularly in the violins and voice, but you didn't hear me say that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is, is it a conservatory, or is, the, is Schwob a... What, what Schwobbe is,
1: is now a conservatory, and um, I still don't know what the exact definition of that is. I know that we were able to rescue six credits from the... Georgia Core, because you know you come to this school, we're supposed to be this great music school, and then the the lessons, your individual applied lessons that are supposed to be the most important part of your whole college experience for coming here, that was only worth one credit, because they had to take all these other courses that you know were just so overcredited. We had right. to undervalue our credits. So we were able to get some credits back, and now uh, freshman lessons are worth more. Now, instead of uh, Concepts of Fitness, gym class that everybody in Georgia has to take, we can take a Yoga for Musicians class Mm. now. Mm -hmm. So it's just a little bit more geared towards the students' needs. Um, Great. Yeah. Yeah. How that figured into the title, Conservatory, I honestly couldn't Mm -hmm. tell you.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds good.
1: Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Doesn't it sound it sounds very impressive, right?
0: Yeah. And Duke Ellington said if it sounds good, it is good. So
1: we'll take it. There it is. <laughs> Musician 101.
0: No, let's let's uh let's hear another piece of music. Um Sure. What do you want to cue up for us there, DJ?
1: This is um this is the first in a song cycle by Robert Schumann. Uh, I this was I was just in the mood to hear this today. Um this is from the uh, the Pump Cycle Die Schliebe. Um the first movement is the in the wonderful month of May. I won't try to insult you with pronouncing the German cuz <laughs> but anyway so you know Schumann he is the first real generation of romantics in music and like a lot of composers like Schumann and Schubert and Beethoven there's also so much romantic Tragedy, and in their life, you know that is reflected out of their music. And in a lot of cases, you know, Schumann did not have a particularly good life, or a very long life eighteen ten to eighteen forty nine. And um, he, you know, uh, famously died in a sanitarium. Um, and uh, he, at one point in time, he had tendonitis, and his piano career was over. He was a young piano prodigy, so like, hmm. there's just this incredible pathos in his music that is just just so magnificent. But one of the things that, that, and you'll hear this in this piece, is that in the 19th century now, you know, if you're listening to a piece by Mozart in D major, the very first harmony is going to be D major, and it's very solid to be down in, you know, in the one chord. And we set up these relationships between tonic and dominant chord, and the musician could tell you all about it, but it's very familiar. Well, in the 19th century, they're starting to experiment with how different harmonies can talk to each other in different ways. And then we have these different relationships. And the thing that's just so beautiful about this piece is that the way it starts, it does not start with a one chord. It actually goes into what we call uh, the, the fridging cadence, which is a flat six to five. And so basically you're ending. The song ends on an indeterminate thing, which adds to the drama. He's setting up this tragic love poem cycle. Mm. Um, that's what this, this is from. and so this different type of sound that has an indeterminate harmonic quality rather than something like Bach, which would be very determinate. 5-1, you know, very typical. You'll, you'll hear what I'm talking about in a moment. There's a, there's a certain mystery in the harmony that's just absolutely delicious and really of its time.
0: Wonderful, I look forward to hearing it. And it is, the title is?
1: This is the, uh, in the wonderful month of May from the uh, uh, poem Cycle Dichter Liebe.
0: Wonderful Month of May by Robert Schumann with Fritz Wunderlich and voice, a piece for voice and piano. That's beautiful, so beautiful. Thank you, Andrew, for bringing that to us this morning. You're listening to the Art House on 88.5 WCUG and ALM Radio in Charleston, South Carolina. Thanks for joining us this morning on The Art House. And and Andrew, thanks for being here. We're so glad you're here. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. I'd like to hear some of your music on guitar, though. I'd, you're such a fabulous guitarist, and we're lucky to have you here in Columbus, Georgia. And thank you for being here, and thank you for teaching all the students you teach. We're so grateful. And um, I'd love to hear a few pieces by you. Do you want to... Why
1: don't we start with the, uh, with the fire? Emmanuel de This is... Manuel Defaya. Okay, Manuel Defaya. D E and then F A L L A. He's a Spanish Impressionist.
0: Ah, That's delightful. Thank you, Andrew. We're here with our guest. That was our guest, Andrew Zone. He is the Joe and George Jeter Distinguished Chair in Guitar at Schwab School of Music at Columbus State University. Andrew, boy, that that's fun.
1: That's actually a, a piece that was written for orchestra by Manuel Defaia. Um, if you know, uh, listen to the Miles Davis recording Sketches of Spain, there's a mm-hmm. version of that. Oh, that's right that recording <laughs> that's yeah, right that's uh,
0: absolutely play. yeah i knew it was familiar
1: yeah so if a knew uh, knew a guitarist named emilio pujol uh, who was a guitarist in madrid who made that arrangement from the orchestra score mm-hmm. that's where that piece comes from
0: oh just fabulous um do you have some other uh pieces you'd like to play for us that
1: you have done sure i thought i'd give you a little bit of a hodgepodge um let's do something poppy now we were talking about these pop tunes that i did um Uh, Being a child of the 70s, this music really deeply resonates with me, and I remember the first time that I heard this particular tune, Riders on the Storm by the Doors, and uh, with the thunder cracking in the background, it was absolutely terrifying. You
0: know, I remember it well. Yeah. I remember the first time it ever came on the radio. I was a, a young boy in the back of my parents' car in Panama City, and it came on the radio. And it was one of those moments that my life has changed forever. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, yeah. There's something about the color of it, the darkness. And, and also, it's just a groovy blues song. Um, and so you know, I grew up playing pop music. That was the first thing that I did. So this is a really big part of my life. Um, But uh, one night I was just up with insomnia and I had heard that song, I think in the car, and that bass line, that recurring bass line that goes on and on and on for about nine minutes um, just was in the back of my head. So I went upstairs and I immediately just started trying to bang out this uh, arrangement. And like I said, I'm really trying to get the entirety of the piece. Uh, There's a guitar solo in it, I've got the guitar solo pretty much note for note. I had to leave out about 12, measures of the keyboard solo um, because it just got too out of control and there was no way you could have the bass and that really complicated keyboard line come together. But I think I pretty much got the the, the essence of it. Um, and I started, so I started playing this as an encore during my regular classical concerts. And this was the only thing anybody would ever talk about. So I thought to myself, oh well, <laughs> gee, maybe I should do some more of these. So I've done 15 so far, from anywhere from 1964, I think the first it's, it's In My Life by The Beatles was the earliest one I've done, and then I've got a whole bunch of other ones from the 60s and 70s, like, um, like uh, Led Zeppelin and The Grateful Dead and Kansas and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, I'm working towards a recording, which I hope to get done by the end of the spring. We'll see how that goes. Um, but... So far, the reviews of pop, the pop stuff I've been playing have gone over really well.
0: Are any of them on YouTube now? Can people find them? There or? are
1: five that are up on YouTube right now. Okay, um, there's The Beatles, there's Chicago, The Doors, Blind Faith, and one more. Mm-hmm. I'll great. think of it later. Anyway, yeah. yeah. And then mm-hmm. hopefully I'll have the other ones up by, the, by this end of the school year. So this is Riders on the Storm uh, by The Doors, 1970.
0: That's fabulous, just fabulous, Andrew. That's uh, Andrew Zone, classical guitarist Andrew Zone with The Doors' Riders on the Storm, his version of that. Now, so that's not overdubbed. You don't have tracks. That's just you on the guitar? That's
1: yeah, just me and a guitar, and that's it.
0: How do you do that? That's some serious aptitude there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's I think that those those pop songs are probably the hardest thing in my repertoire right now um, You know, because it's just juggling seven balls instead of you know two yeah it's a little and, bit more to it
0: and you just have 10 fingers like everybody else <laughs>
1: just like everybody else
0: <laughs> <laughs> Holy wow fabulous thanks for that um moving um and you're gonna have an, you're gonna introduce another piece for
1: us here and uh what is is this the Gershwin piece that you did yeah he so Gershwin has these three very very well known preludes for solo piano um and you know Gershwin has this, you know, grew up in an incredible time in America where, you know, he had studied and understood all the conventions of very typical uh, 19th century romantic composition, but then, of course, he was deeply influenced by jazz and took jazz into a very, very sophisticated place. Anyway, these are such popular things. There's a whole bunch of different arrangements. So I took this piano piece and I arranged it for clarinet and guitar. I'll be playing with my colleague over at the Probe School of Music, Dr. Lisa Oberlander. Um, this is the third of the three preludes.
0: Just like that. Fabulous. We've come to the end of another Art House, Art House Radio, 88.5 WCUG. We've been with our guest here, Andrew Zone, this morning. Andrew, that's just delightful. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for bringing it to us. And for now... People can find that on YouTube, correct? Or is it on other yes. platforms as well?
1: Um, it's probably up in other other places, but yeah. YouTube is the easiest place. Easiest place. Okay. You type Zohn into uh, into YouTube and guitar. I'm probably the only guy who shows up.
0: <laughs> Luckily. Yeah. Um. Well, thank you for that, and I uh, just want to thank everybody for listening to Art House Radio this morning. Andrew, do you have any final thoughts for us this morning? Do you have anything to send off? I often like to think, what what do students need to hear? What do the young folks need to hear out there in the world? What, what, what words of wisdom do you have to impart for us in, in leaving this morning?
1: Okay, you didn't tell me there was a wisdom part of this uh, interview, <laughs> but I'll give it my best shot. Um, you know, I think a big part of whether you're going to have a life in the arts and a career in the arts and a meaningful career in the arts is – you have to believe that it's possible, and it's very, uh, it's very easy to look at the you know, potential career of the arts as being very uncertain and uh, you know, very trying. You're going to work very hard past five o'clock on weekdays as a musician, but the people who really believe that it's possible to do it are usually people who still are stuck around after 10, 20 years of artistry. The stubborn ones, like me. <laughs> <And> <laughs>
0: yeah, <we're> just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's great advice because I think you really have to believe it yourself first. Yep. And believe in yourself. And not in an egotistical way, but just that you, you've you got the little spark in you that makes you want to make something, regardless of whether that's music or art or whatever. And, and you have to sort of follow that and uh it's like a spark and you sort of have to keep blowing it and fanning the flames and letting it grow and then there's a point where the fire takes on a life of its own
1: yes if you can if you can get over that that hump i mean a lot of times you know doing something whatever the artistic endeavor it's a very vulnerable experience whether you're on a stage trying to perform or whether you're showing off the creative work that you've done in your studio you're putting yourself out there for judgment and, you know, uh, that it takes a, a, a pretty strong person to be able to work through that and, to, and also to try to make it better and realizing accepting criticism, you know, yeah. when it's appropriate and hopefully going from there. Yeah, you've got to believe.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. To, I mean, for me personally, I know. I mean, it's not easy to accept criticism and, and to see it constructively and to move forward from that point. Uh, It's easy to let it sort of hurt you and beat you down. But that's where it takes a certain amount of ego strength, not a giant ego, just like a hard enough armor and shell to protect you and to uh, take in what's needed and let things be constructive and move forward. Um, Natalia Temeskin says, uh, you know, it's gratitude for all the things good and bad Mm. that that come your way.
1: Yeah, it's all part of the artistic human experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And we're all in it. And we all have our our stories to tell. And we should tell them. Every story, regardless, deserves to be told. So tell your story. You can see the complete playlist of Art House Radio on the website, arthouseradio.com. That's A-R-T-H-A-U-S radio.com. Thank you for joining us this morning on the radio. Thank you, Andrew, for being here.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So grateful. And everyone just go out and see some art today. Go out and hear some live music. Go out and experience the world. Go to your local art museums wherever you are. In Charleston, there's the Gibbs Museum. In Columbus, there's the Columbus Museum, the Heritage Art Center, Highland Gallery, the Ilges Gallery, the Do Good Fund, and the Bow Bartlett Center. Go out and see some art. And then get in your studio and make some art or write or play an instrument. Let's do it. Let's tell our stories. So let's live it and make this world a better place. Thanks for listening. See you right back here next week. Love and light, y'all.